Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. Due to the pandemic, we bring you One Bad Mother straight from our homes, including such interruptions as children, animal noises, and more. So let's all get a little closer while we have to be so far apart. And remember, we are doing a good job. This week on One Bad Mother, depression. Aren't we glad that it's okay to talk about that now? And we do talk about it with John Moe, host of the new Max Fun podcast, Depression Mode. Plus, Biz isn't really alone. Woo! 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 Oh, so I have a seven-month-old, and for the first three months, I was having terrible nightmares, and I realized the other day, I haven't had a terrible nightmare in a very long time. So that's amazing. Uh, downside, we've, uh, the babysitter we hired just hired uh, last week um, because we couldn't find a daycare for the seven month old uh, texted us last night that she wants more money. <sighs> Things and roundabouts. Love you. Bye. <laughs> What I like about this check-in is how I don't know what's happening, which I think just is exactly what a check-in is supposed to be. You have a seven-month-old. I got that much. And that there was enough. That was enough for I could have ended the call at, you have a seven-month-old. You're doing an amazing job. Good luck. Sorry. Yay, seven-month-old. But then you were like, I was having nightmares, and now I'm not. Now, I (laughs) I don't know. Really, when they started or why they ended. But I am very happy that you are not having those nightmares anymore. I, myself, sometimes get into a nightmare rut and it sucks. I'm so sorry and I'm so glad that you are not having them anymore. That is a good check in. And then I uh, appreciate your humor regarding (laughs) nothing being easy, including your. Babysitter requesting more money. Had they started? I'm confused, but that's okay because I know you'll figure it out because you're doing an amazing job. You are super awesome and doing it. You know who's also doing it? All the essential workers. I know everybody is so thrilled with vaccines. Pandemic over, everybody. Oh, wait, no, is it not? Oh, it's not over. And never will my appreciation be over. So here we go. Thank you, thank you, thank you, medical workers. You know who you are. You know that you are in every facet of medical care, be it data entry to cleaning and disinfecting staff, to nurses, RNs, EMTs, doctors, everybody. All ah, You're all doing it. You haven't really been given a break in a year. And I, I just, I really appreciate your willingness to put others before you. It's really remarkable. Thank you. I want to say thank you to the teachers. I know a lot of schools are starting to open back up in places where they had not been open. And, you know, even if you've had a chance to get vaccinated as a teacher, I am sure there is still a lot of emotions surrounding how comfortable you feel. Is it okay? I mean, you've got to interact with so many all at once. And I just want to say I appreciate your efforts and I see you. Thank you, mail service. Thank you, other delivery services. 
you guys have been keeping us alive, bringing us packages. <laughs> we don't want to go out. So I appreciate that. Everybody working at the grocery stores, pharmacies, all of it. And speaking of pharmacies, let's just jump right into thanking people for distributing vaccines. Thank you, all the people who made the vaccines. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for all the people who studied those vaccines to make sure that they were safe. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all the people distributing those vaccines, whether you are a courier carrying vaccines to a hospital or a CVS, good job. Whether you are the person who has to sit outside taking people's names down as they come in to get the vaccine, making sure that they had an appointment, dealing with people who might be terrified. Thank you. Thank you if you're like working and volunteering one of those like, oh, we're going to drive through all the cones to get stuck in the shoulder sort of. Thank you. Somebody set up those cones. Thank you. And thank you uh, to all the locations who have opened up to provide services distributing vaccines. Thank you. I got my first vaccine and I cannot tell you uh, how much I appreciate everybody from the person I signed in with all the way to the last person I saw walking out the door, who was also the same person who signed me in. I, If I could have, I would have sat in all of their laps just hugging and thanking them. I think they maybe thought I had lost my mind. I am so very grateful for science and getting stuck. Here is to everyone getting stuck soon who is capable of getting stuck. And now, let me tell you something even more exciting than a vaccine. This week, my children return to some form of in-person learning. Three days a week, their days don't always match. They aren't always dropped off at the same place. Some days they're home, some days they're not. But on Tuesday, they were both at school at the same time all day. And I was alone except I wasn't. I walked in the house and Stefan was here because Stefan still works from home because his office is not open. And it's going to be this way for a really long time. And I got to tell you, I just, I know that part of me was supposed to be really excited that Stefan and I were going to be alone for the first time in like a year. But I also really just didn't want to do fucking anything. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to hear anybody. I didn't want to see anybody. I just really, really needed to be alone and aware that being alone for a little while might make me enjoy being with somebody more. So uh, that was something. It was surprising. It uh, didn't fit with what everybody, I think, thought would have like everybody's like, oh, you and Stefan, you gotta be alone for the first time before you woo, right? <laughs> I don't think yes, yes, woo, but also ah, just, just like a day of just no one being around me. That would that would take that. I mean, I would take it just for a day, not forever, just a day. That not meeting the expectations that I feel were set by myself and others that I'm supposed to be thoroughly excited and thrilled and ready to bounce right back into. <laughs> we are partners. We are in a relationship. 
sort of emotional state after a year of being with children 24 hours a day it was a surprise. Surprise. Maybe it's a surprise to you. It was a surprise to me. And like those types of surprises, the ones that we don't expect, I think that ties in nicely to what we're going to talk about today, which is mental health and depression. Surprise! <laughs> Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. This week, we are talking with John Moe, who is the host and creator of Depression Mode and the host and creator of the award-winning hit podcast, The Hilarious World of Depression, and the author of the acclaimed book by the same name. His writing has appeared in numerous humor anthologies, as well as the New York Times Magazine, McSweeney's, the Seattle Times, and many more publications, and he's written plays that have been performed on three continents. What? He's a longtime contributor and columnist for McSweeney's. John has hosted nationally distributed public radio programs such as Wits, Weekend America, and Marketplace Tech, and his radio work has been featured on numerous national radio programs. He lives in St. Paul. Oh, my God. Welcome to the show. Thank John you. <laughs> thank you. That was very a well-written bio. I was. Nice it, yeah. it was. I just, I I've also it. been... Can I just also say, just as an, an extra here, that uh, yeah. my work has also been translated into <gasps> Slovakian. Slov, You've made it, John. I've made it. Yeah, apparently there it. are other foreign language editions coming, but the first off the press is yeah. uh, Slovakian Uzazni Svet Depressi. <laughs> that makes it sound fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know it's a humor book. I'm big in Slovakian. It's like in singles where their band yeah. is big in Belgium. Benny. I'm big in Slovakia. <laughs> well, before we find out how big you are in Slovakia, I would like to ask you what we ask all our guests, which is, who lives in your house? So many. So many live oh. in my house. There's me, my wife, Jill Mo, and uh, our... Occasionally living here is our 20-year-old son, Charlie, uh, who also goes to college. So Ooh. he's there a lot of the time, hopefully, and not, 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 <laughs> sure. being, sent, not being sent home to do it all in his bedroom. Yeah. Uh, also, my daughter, Kate Mo, who is a high school senior heading off to college in the fall. And then I have a 12-year-old daughter, and I won't reveal her name because she's a minor, and I'm not sure whether she wants me to do it or not. We also have... Um, <laughs> Two dogs, Sally and Maisie, and two guinea pigs, Panda and the Cheat. You do have a, you have like a full house. You win. So many That's to feed. So, so many to feed. <laughs> so many. But you're also almost, almost done. A little. I know. Like, right? Like, I mean, I mean, you're never done. But like, pretty soon, they're yeah. not in the house. Well, and you'd Maybe. think you'd be... You'd think you'd be really happy about your kids moving off on their own, and that's exactly right. Good, I'm really good. Because <laughs> I'm counting on that. I am yeah. counting on that. I know. I know. I'm really fingers, looking forward to it. Woo! Fingers yeah. crossed. Yep. Yeah. Are they all interested in? Are they college bound? Staying like oh, the twelve year old? Ugh, I got a, I got yeah. a twelve year old. Yeah. You know, 
they just want to live like in Japan as far away from us as possible. Right. And I'm like, all right, let's bring yep. out the embarrassment machine. Here yep. I come. <laughs> but the older two, college close, college far away. Uh, college close for the oldest. He's mm-hmm. about forty minutes away, and um, you know, after after combing the East Coast for all these places <laughs> he wanted to go, he picked the place down the road. Right. And then um, the eighteen-year-old is heading off to college in uh, Washington State uh, to the same college that I went to <gasps> uh, a thousand years ago, which has oh. been a really interesting thing because, Ooh. like, I'm. You know, I I wasn't allowed to go on the tour because it was felt that I would just keep talking about my own experiences, which is fair and probably accurate. It's probably accurate, right? And, uh, (laughs) but it's, uh, it's a place, it's a college called Whitman College, very special place to me. It allowed me to kind of turn into who I wanted to be. And um, the fact that she's going there has me, gets me very misty eyed and, and very moved. And she could tell when I start kind of saying, I'm just really glad you're going. She's like, oh, God, here it comes again. No. Nope. Well, I, I here's the, but here's the horrible question. That is, what if she doesn't she have hates. the exact same experience that you have? I mean, she might find herself, because that's what you all do when you go to college. If you yeah. find something, you find something, that's for sure. But what if the experience is a different one than yours? Well, I'm kind of counting on it being different in in a lot of ways. Um, She's, I mean, I went, I went to college uh, having done a ton of theater in high school. I was the ultimate drama nerd. And then all the other classes were just sort of like, I also have to do this before I can return to the theater for my next theater. (laughs) And it was a, it was a theater department that just did tons and tons of actual production. So I was always there. And I don't think she's interested in it at all. Like, she's like, no, I, you know, I'm probably going to do either environmental studies or political science or psychology or combine all three. I'm like, that's not going to get you anywhere. The theater gets you (laughs) off. You got to get the theater career. (laughs) Yeah. So she's, you know, she's, I think, way ahead of me because she's actually interested in the academic work. So I think she's going to be okay. You have gone way off the range as a parent. I am so. Uh, I know. Well, my <laughs> wife, my wife is a uh, got a degree in in studio art. I have a degree in theater, uh, and then like see? our oldest yeah. almost majored in economics, which oh. is how you rebel against that artist is like, parents. <laughs> I, I know that we are not too far off. That is some Alex P. Keaton. Alex P. Keaton biz, yeah. Style, yeah. That that's some some rebellion, <laughs> yeah. My husband and I are both, we were sketch comedians in yeah. New York. That's how we met. Theater, art. He does theme park design now. I do this, whatever this is. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, our kids are like wicked, <laughs> wicked smart. And I'm just like, right. I'm just so, I'm like, oh yeah. You guys, yeah. don't, doesn't anybody want to let mama live vicariously through them? Come on. Right. You sure you don't want to go to the audition? No. No. Oh, you have anything else to do? Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) you get in your room and do something creative right now. (laughs) All right, all right. Let's let's uh, stop enjoying ourselves. All right then. You are new to the Max Fun family, but not new to depression. (laughs) Right. I'm a veteran. Welcome to Max Fun. (laughs) Your next level of depression, but you. You've come to do this podcast, uh, Depression Mode, and I got to tell you, mental health, it turns out pretty important. 
So I guess what, give us the background. Tell us, tell us all about it. All about it. How did yeah. you wind up making depression so successful for yeah. yourself? How did, how did I make it big in <laughs> chronic sadness? In <laughs> um, yes. How did I get to be so good at depression so that I went pro? So good at depression. Yeah. You're a pro. You're a, yeah. you're a depression expert. I got called up to the major <laughs> leagues. Um, so, uh, yeah, I had uh, I have a history of depression on in my family. My parents were kids during World War II in Norway when the Nazis invaded. So there's a lot of trauma stored yeah. up in there. Back then, my uh, there, there wasn't a lot of new agey cognitive behavioral therapists available for people in distress, but there was cigarettes and vodka. So that's the path that my dad chose. (laughs) So then I was, you know, then that's a, if you have an addictive personality, it's hard to kick. So I grew up in, in a home with alcohol. My brother had the same trait and moved on to drugs. And there was a lot of not talking about things that were unpleasant or frightening, you know, and I, and I don't, I don't blame my parents because it's the world they grew up in. You don't, you can't afford a weakness. You can't afford another reason for somebody to have you killed. Right. You know, it's, it's what I hear from, from people now who live in rough neighborhoods. Like I can't, you know, I can't give myself, I can't show one weakness that's going to put me in danger. Right. So I grew up with, with kind of that, that specter a little bit. And then when I started experiencing symptoms of depression, I had no idea what they were. This this happened in uh, junior high school, puberty, rush of new hormones and chemicals going on, and it got set off. And I hear that story from other people all the time. But I didn't know what it was. I didn't know why I was terrified all the time. I didn't know why I would start crying for no reason and not be able to stop. I didn't know what, why I could no longer concentrate on anything. Right. But I knew it was terrible. And as far as I could tell, nobody else was experiencing this. So I had to keep it quiet. And so I really kept it quiet and I kind of stuffed it down. And that's actually where the theater end of it came in really handy. Yeah. My parents were both, you know, besides having lived through this stuff, they were both actors. And I got that gene as well. <laughs> and I... You know, I could throw myself into the theater and into all those sorts of extroverted things, and I could put on a really good character as yeah. the as that guy. And I was able to hide out there for a number of years, you know, into college and beyond. And I just sort of figured, well, if I ignore this and if I suppress this, if I can shove this down until and not tell anybody about it until I die, yeah. then I will good plan. Win. This is a good plan. <laughs> And this so th- is, I'm pretty sure I read that yeah. particular book plan. Like, like that, yeah. I think that was like out in all of the stores at the time. <laughs> Cram it down. Cram it down. Until you die. Yeah, then you win. Yes, then yeah. you win. Then you win. <laughs> and so it wasn't until I started having a family, really, that it, yeah. that it could no longer be suppressed. And I was in my 30s because I don't, I don't catch on to things very quick. Like every M. Night Shyamalan twist blows <laughs> like, my mind. What? Yeah, I never, saw, <laughs> I never saw it coming. And then yeah, I look over at my wife and I'm like, Did you, could you believe it? And she's just shaking her head. <laughs> but I had a career. I, I was married. We owned a home. We started having kids. And the stress of it and the importance of everything and the inability to hide from it 
mm-hmm. meant that it started coming out, like in in stress and in sort of hiding from the rest of the world. I became really short-tempered, but like not not violent ever, but just like No, angry. just angry. Just, yeah. Yeah. And my my wife said, well, you know, why don't you go see a doctor? Because I think this might be depression. And I'm like, well, I'm not sad. She's like, no, yeah. that's... That's not how it works. That's, that's right, right. That's a different thing. This is this is a disorder. That's an emotion. Right. And and I said, well, then I said, I don't want to bother the doctor. Don't right. they have other people to see? <laughs> Even though the whole job of a doctor is to it's see to, people. To please be bothered. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that that shot down number two. Then the third was, that's so expensive. Yeah. It was covered by insurance and we had a $10 copay. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't want to lay down a Hamilton. I'm not worth wow. a Hamilton. Wow. And yeah. Woo. So yeah. I finally got in, got diagnosed. <laughs> it felt great. It it was like, yeah. I was like, how long have I had this? And he said, Never. well, when's the first time you noticed it? I was about 12. Okay. You've had it since you were 12. <laughs> but there are a lot of things we can do and we could form a plan. So I became really interested in how this thing had secretly lived in my head for so long. Yeah. And then a couple of years after that, my brother died by suicide due oh. to due to depression that yeah. had never been diagnosed, that had never been treated, and that he thought was his fault. He didn't even recognize it as an illness that he had. He thought he was just weak. And if he had yeah. been stronger and tougher and braver, that it would go away. And then when it didn't, he thought it was all his fault. So honestly... Like, it was literally at his service. We were standing there, and I thought, okay, let's let's think about this. He never talked to anybody about this, and he died from this illness. Yeah. Right? And then if he had talked to a therapist, a friend, if he had opened up to a friend about it, if he had opened up to somebody about it, it's no guarantee he'd get better, but there's a, a lot better chance. So society, I thought faces these two options. Talk about it, have a chance to get better, not talk about it, surely get worse. Why the hell are we choosing the stupid option? Oh, hello. That's just dumb. We can't can't have nice things, John. We can't have nice things. We can't have nice things. We always choose the worst option. And I'm a blabbermouth. Like I was, I don't know how I was in a Norwegian family. I always thought like, (laughs) Was were they swapped with an Italian baby or something? Because I'm demonstrative. I like by that point I'm in radio. I have access to microphones. Yeah, oh, yeah. String a sentence together. I guess this is my life's work. And then everything has just been informed since then. Of like, okay, fine. I can't save Rick. It's too late. But maybe I can, you know, help people to to save other people. Well, I think. The word that comes to mind for me the most with what you're doing and and what people are trying to do, I know that we're trying to do it, and that is the word normalize, Mm. right? Like I uh, was raped my first year in college. I went to a lot of colleges. I probably shouldn't have gone to begin with. (laughs) Talk about the tipping point for depression. There you go. Maybe something's been wrong for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just rip it all. See over. those signposts. Sure. But yeah, woo! But for me, my response was talking about it, right? Mm. Because the more I learned how normal that yeah. experience was, 
for women, the more I felt it shouldn't be a secret, right? right? And that people shouldn't treat it as a secret. And the same goes with mental illness or depression. The same goes with suicide. And the same goes with one of the things we've discovered on the show over the last eight years is how much, I'm going to say specifically, women have Mm -hmm. been told oh, did you suffer an injury during childbirth? Well, it's normal. You just live with it. Don't tell anybody, right? Mm. Like, don't tell anybody that you pee every time you sneeze, right? Like, that's just what you get. Or that, you know, they feel like if they're struggling, that's the biggest one, that you're struggling with being a parent. It's not fun. It's Mm. really hard. You're, you know, but if you tell anybody, you're bad. Like, you've done a bad job. And we did a whole series on postpartum depression being seen as like when you say postpartum depression people think postpartum psychosis like they're thinking the far end of the spectrum if i say i'm depressed they're gonna think i'm gonna drive into the lake next week you know what i mean and so like i know that as a result of learning that we we try to talk about it a lot Mm -hmm. on all of those things on the show and i think like (laughs) The process of normalizing it is so important because people didn't talk about depression even 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, and now there are multiple medications that you can, you know, are available, right, Mm -hmm. that like weren't there. So as your life's work, you know, how have you seen the normalization of mental health needs develop? Well, I get a lot of hope from, from well, a variety of sources. I mean, one is that when I started to talk about this stuff, I had already been doing, I had already been broadcasting and writing for a long time. And the response was so huge on this topic. And I'm like, yeah. okay, either I became a much better writer or, <laughs> or there is a real hunger for this. People are, yeah. are sick of are sick of stuffing it away and they want to do something about it. I mean, it's it's like littering in the 70s or drunk driving in the <laughs> 80s. Like we decided, we kind of got together and we're like, okay, this is stupid. Let's do something yeah. about this. And and so that's been very inspirational for me. And then when I talk to to young people and I talk to like, you know, my my kids' teenage friends, it is so without the baggage that... Yeah. That you know, and 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 it's in all forms. It's about depression. It's about any kind of variation from the norm. I yep. don't see it as much. Like, oh, this is you know, my friend Olivia is gay. Yep. You know, and like I hear about this friend in junior high, and I'm like, wow, you know, like the that gay people hard. I know took till they, <laughs> they were in their mid twenties because of what was going on around them. Oh my god, and, my child came home yesterday announcing that their class was the gayest class in the history of their school. Everybody, everybody is something in that class yeah, of yeah. kids. And I'm like, that's cool. Because, <laughs> because so it like, turns out they're not buying into our constructs, yeah, which is right? probably a good thing because our know, constructs suck real it's bad. Just a, it's just, yeah, the, they, they don't help with <laughs> no, our mental health. No, they don't really help. And, and you know, I, I, People ask me like, okay, you you talk about mental illness and you talk about people who are having these problems. Doesn't that turn into a giant bummer? 
And it really doesn't because there's so many people doing such amazing things. Like something that, that turned my head around a while ago, I was talking with a friend who's a therapist and, and she's written papers on the language around Mm. mental health. And so like person first conversation, like he's, Jim isn't a schizophrenic. Jim is a person with schizophrenia. He's also left-handed and likes the Mets and, you know, watches uh, Hitchcock movies. This is one part of who Jim is. Jim isn't defined by this thing that he deals with. And, and so that turned my thinking. And yeah. then she also talked about even the word stigma, which she says is a, a cheat word when we really mean discrimination. You know, we, we say, oh, there's a lot of stigma around mental health. Damn. And it goes easy on the people who are discriminating. Like, mm-hmm. if you, you know, if you have a stigma about somebody dealing with depression, no, you're just judging them as all. Yeah. You're just discriminating <laughs> against them as all. You're just assuming you know anything yeah. about them. Right. Sorry, that's that's bigotry. <laughs> you know, it turns out you're just right. a bigot. Yeah. And and uh, you know, and so that's that's really changed my thinking too. I mean, when my when my oldest was diagnosed with being on the autism spectrum, he was 16. And the first thing he did was he texted his friend Alice and said, Guess who has two thumbs and is on the spectrum? <laughs> this guy. This guy. Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> and and for him, it was never, it, it was always about, oh, that's why I do those things. Yeah. It wasn't like I'm ashamed that I, you know, I kind of uh, stumble in making eye contact in social situations. It was like, oh, that's why I do that. That's good to know. All right. <laughs> I have to stop you right here, though, and point out. What I see, which is, and and again, why I love talking about this on a, like on a podcast in which we're all parents, yeah. that is, look what you, that's you. Yeah. You did that. You and your wife did that. Yeah. You made it so that your kids didn't have a hang up, didn't have a problem mm-hmm. looking for help. And then receiving help and then being given the language to use when it comes to understanding themselves and helping others understand them. And like language, it's so important. And I I don't think we give enough credit to the power Mm. that, that parents have when it comes to ending these sorts of cultural ways we look at things, whether it be mental health or race or, you know, like all of those start with somebody saying it's okay to, to feel that way. I mean, we have, we agreed with each other. My wife and I agreed with each other a long time ago that, that we're going to, you know, parent with a lot of love, but also a lot of honesty Yep. And so when the subject of of sex came up, we'd be like, oh, here's how sex works. Let yeah. me draw you some charts. Let me, and, let me ruin it for you. Yeah. <laughs> and like, we're going to take away all the taboo and, yeah, you know, we're, right. we're just going <laughs> to, and, and there's this golden zone before they realize, oh, wait, that's how I got here. The two of you. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Um, 
But we also were drafted into that by my brother's death. So when my brother Rick died, uh, our oldest was in kindergarten. And he had... You know, he, he knew who his uncle was, and then he was dead. It was the first death he had encountered. And we said, okay, here's the deal with, with Rick, is that he had, he had a disease. He had an illness that affected his brain. And it was way worse than anyone realized. And so he wasn't able to get the help he needed because it was so much worse than we thought, and he died of it. And it, that's the truth. Um, but it was it was told in a way that he could handle it. And so it's always been kind of a subject going going around of, you know, the your mental health is no different than your dental health. You know, it's it's yeah. uh That's we, clever. We just so, talk yeah. about I just came up with that. <laughs> Thank you. We just really talk good. about what's good it rhymes. We just talked about what's going on and like, you know, to the point where our youngest our youngest is you know, so the first two or two years apart the youngest is five years younger. So there's a gap. Yeah. And, you know, she said when she was kind of figuring out like, oh, this is what dad's job is to talk about now. She, <laughs> she said, well, will I get this thing? Will yeah. I get depression? And I said, well, it's on both sides of our family, but not everybody deals with it. So you may or may not. She said, well, what will I, what will I do? What will we do if I do get it? And I said, Oh, well, we know what to look for. And then if you do get it, there are doctors we could take you to. Then there's a bunch of different ways to treat it. And we'll find the one that works best for you. And she said, okay, can we go watch the Powerpuff Girls now? Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, that's how how most of this. I had to learn the hard way that when I tried to explain more than was necessary, Mm. oh, I'd (laughs) lost him. But, But my oldest would be like, Oh, is it is it a lecture in the car? I was like, yeah. yes, it is, sister. Back it up. The yeah. commentary track no one wants. That's Here right. All right. <laughs> Let me tell you why that bumper sticker is offensive. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Language, when you say it, sounds very easy, and we see the awesome results. <laughs> However, honesty can be scary mm-hmm. when we are looking at our precious. Little children who have appeared in our house with big questions. And there's a fear. It's throughout history. Fear has served as a great driver of misinformation and not and lies Uh (laughs) and avoidance and avoidance. And so talk to me about that fear. Fix fear for me, John. Thank you. Um. There's a lot to be said for fear. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, a, and for a lot of people, it stays there for a long time. Like anxiety is often rooted in something very practical of like, you know, be on guard for every little threat because maybe there are threats all around you. Right. You know, if you're in a, if you're in a rough home growing up, anxiety can get you out of the room before you get hurt. And with fear, like a lot of people are afraid of mental illness because it is scary. It makes total yes. sense to be scared of this stuff because it's scary. It doesn't show up on an x-ray. It doesn't show up in a blood test. And here's this thing that can just like is built into your head that just wants to make you sad. What's yeah. that all about? Like it's, it's, and we don't know all that much about it. We don't know 
exactly how to get rid of it. Um, so, so the fear is totally understandable. But there's, there's a school of thought in therapy that, that I find sort of resonates with this a little bit, which is, okay, when something is scary, what do you do with it? You can run from it. You can you know, fight or flight. You can, you can say, oh, that's scary. I'm going to overcome it. But there's a lot to be said for sitting in the fear for a minute. Like, oh, okay, that's mm. scary. I'm recognizing that this is scary. What is this doing to my body? What is this doing to my face? What is this doing to my thoughts? And just live with it for a minute and then let it move on. And so, yes, talking about mental health with your kids is scary. They're going to have questions you don't have the answers to. And the phrase, I don't know, is perfectly acceptable in those situations. <laughs> and, and maybe the kid will be scared of what mental health means. And maybe maybe their vision of mental health has been affected by how it's often portrayed in pop culture, which is, you know, the, I always figured if I told anybody when I was young that I was having mental health problems, I would be in a padded room in a straitjacket yeah, no. thinking I was Napoleon because my understanding was born of Bugs Bunny cartoons. And, Correct. and you know, but, but I think it's an opportunity too to say, look, lots of people have mental illness. You know, the people, if you look at the grocery store, if you, next time we're in the grocery store, look at five people, probably two of them are dealing with something at least. And, yeah. you know, and, but they're dealing with it. They know the world they're in. The vast, overwhelming majority of people with mental illnesses are not delusional. They're not, you know, they're, they're not living in a fantasy world. They're right here among us and they're just dealing with something. It's a really good point. And I, I think that's the, the fact that it's not something you can see is yeah. what can catch so many people off guard. Well, and that's what makes so many people disregard it, too. Yeah. Like, like uh, you know, oh, well, you're depressed. Have you tried going for a walk? It's such a nice day. There's Take nothing to be depressed about. Yeah, <laughs> right. which we don't say like, oh, you have leukemia? How could you have leukemia on such a nice day? Well, I don't want to. Have I you tried wanna... going for a walk? You know, that'll yes. cure that leukemia right up. <laughs> Look at all go you have for... going for you. What do you have to have leukemia about? You know, <laughs> your life is great. I know, uh, that's the problem. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, well, that's how that works. Yeah. I'll wrap up on something that you actually touched on <laughs> earlier that I thought was kind of funny. And that was that talking about mental health and in particular, depression would be super sad to listen to. But I've listened to a few of the new podcasts, Depression Mode, and it's very funny. I particularly enjoyed a discussion about how we were all going to come out on the other side of this pandemic, which, let me tell you, has not been a joy ride emotionally no. or mentally for any of us. Right. Uh, talk about triggers as a comedian and as uh, just whoever I am as a person, despite all the years of therapy, I still can't tell you. I think there's so much humor and oh, yeah. like perspective yeah. that can come from talking about depression. So talk to me about like <laughs> this 
Sell me on a podcast about depression, John Moe. Do it right now. Well, it's about, a, I mean, it's about depression. It's about anxiety. It's about yeah. a lot of these regular obstacles that people face. And, you know, I'm spending a lot of time thinking about how the pandemic is going to affect us. Like, know. you know, we I was talking with Kelsey Dara on the show. Like, are we going to be flapper crazy or hoarding pizza crust crazy? Like, I know what. Yeah, you know, I, you went with hoarding pizza crust crazy, I'm a believer and I was in the like, hoarding pizza obviously, crust. yeah, we're obviously going that well, route, and we're we're you know it's it's we're traumatized. It's a mass mm-hmm. traumatization, and and people are going to be affected in different ways, of course. But you know, we talk with a variety of of artists, comedians, and then actual mental health experts. So, Dr. Ken Duckworth from National Alliance on Mental Illness said, "Okay, so have you been?" watching a movie during the pandemic and there's a crowd scene and yeah. people are yelling and you get a little freaked out that they're not wearing their masks. Yeah. Yeah. Even though so you weird. intellectually know it was filmed 10 years ago. <laughs> like, are yeah. you still the having a- yes. Yeah. Okay. So that is one of many irrational reactions you're going to have moving forward. You know, like hey. when, when people are standing too close long after yeah. nobody's worried about COVID, you're still going to go, it could come back, you know, and that's no different than your depression era grandparents hoarding bread and nickels, you know, it's, so we are going to be kooks, you know, we're going to be, we're already crazy. I remember talking to a new parent, they just had a baby and they were talking, they were guests on the show and they were talking about how whatever they put the mask on, the baby would get excited because they knew it meant they were going out. And I was like, Oh, it's like dogs. <laughs> it was. It was like, yeah, here come the keys. But I thought, oh, I wonder how that, like, That's what does hard that play wired. out in that, on a baby? That like, biz is hardwired right? for the rest of their life. It yeah. is. It's, I mean, my kids, my kids, like, instinctively react. I was talking to Gabe beforehand, and I said, you know, will masks be like, Seatbelts, like when I grew up, seatbelts, yeah. it wasn't until halfway through my like teen years that seatbelts yep. became something you had to wear. Yeah. And my kids freak out if I put the car in reverse and they don't have their, but they're like, we're not buckled. And I'm like, oh my God. We're in the driveway. Be, <laughs> right, we're in the driveway. You're all, you're all right. But the, the mask, I, you know. It's, it's going to be one of those things. Here is a conversation that's going to happen in the future. <laughs> So our our kid, let's let's pick, you know, a, what a ten year old. Let's say a sure. ten year old. They twenty years from now, they're thirty. They have kids of their own. Oh yeah. And and then one morning, their kid says, uh, "I don't feel like going to school. I, I don't want to go to school. Today. I'm just going to stay home." Then that kid who's growing up oh. right now, as a parent, will say, "You are." Going to school. I went through a one entire year when I wasn't year. allowed to go to school. You're getting your butt into school. That's right. Like, That's right. I'm a complete idiot because yeah. of that one year. Yeah. That's everything. <laughs> Do you know what a pandemic is? Oh and then my the, God. the kid's like, I just want to stay home and play video games. Like, oh no. There's this whole generation that is just not yeah. going to put up with days off from oh. school. Oh, we will go to this party and we will be the most social people. Yeah. I'm sorry, introverts. You when better hug every this. person you see at this <laughs> you party. Kiss your grandma. <laughs> you, kiss your, you kiss your grandma is coming back. It's a big oh, yeah, comeback. Right. right on the mouth. <laughs> well, John, I appreciate so much you coming, not by, you zooming over. 
Zoom. to join me on One Bad Mother and welcome to the Max Fun family. I hope that everybody who listens to this show, guys, it's a natural fit to go over and listen to Depression Mode because it's funny, it's honest, and it talks about mental health, which, you know, the One Bad Mother community Woo! Do we love talking about mental health? Yeah, does not that ever being come alone? up in your community? Does that ever come up? Uh, <laughs> turns out just walking through the world yeah, turns uh, out. brings it up, you know? <laughs> but I want to encourage everybody to go listen. And I'm just going to say it, guys, because we know it's coming. It's like around the corner. It's lurking. Max Fun Drive. It's lurking. It's lurking. It's lurking over there. It comes. It, it's coming. I'm just going to say it. Just remember depression mode. In your thoughts when Max Fun Drive comes around because they're new and we were new once too. So, John, thank you so much for joining us. Biz, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Oh, I love it. Let's do this again. Yay. We can talk about, we can talk about raising children after living through your own trauma Whoa. and how relaxing that is. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, I'm going to link you up to where we can, you can find out more about John, the books, the writing, and the podcast. Goodbye, John Moe. Bye. One Bad Mother is supported in part by StoryWorth. Oh, let me tell you, if there has ever been a year to make the moms in your life feel loved and appreciated on Mother's Day, it is this one. StoryWorth is an online service that helps your family share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. And it's such a great gift. It's such an opportunity to ask the important people in your life, questions you've always wanted to know, or to have them share stories that you've heard a million times, but you'd like to have written down and recorded someplace to share with generations to come. Every week, StoryWorth emails your mom a different story prompt, questions you've never thought to ask, like, what is some of the best advice your mother ever gave you? I always like to ask things like, who was the first person you ever made out with? Because <laughs> I want it weird in my family. After one year, StoryWorth will compile all of your mom's stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that is shipped for free. Get started right away with no shipping required just by going to storyworth.com badmother. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com badmother for $10 off. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time, which means that Teresa is here. Teresa? Hey. Hi. I'm just going to get right to it. Okay. Genius me. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my God. That's fucking genius. Okay. 
also over quote unquote spring break. (laughs) We went went to the mountains for the first time in a year. Hmm. And while we were there, Gracie found a pine cone that she named and made it her friend. She named it Chutney. And then actually all, (laughs) I know. And then all three of my kids, all three of my kids found their own, then found their own pine cone and they all had names. But Gracie was pretty attached to hers right away. And one morning, I think, oh, actually it was the morning that we were going home. She went outside to play with Chutney. Yeah. And I guess she decided she would play she was playing hide and go seek no. with Chutney. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And she threw, she said she closed her, I didn't see it happen. She closed, she said she closed her eyes and threw Chutney down yeah. the mountain. That makes sense. To play hide and seek. you don't want to see where Chutney's going to hide. But then she was surprised. Then she's like, can I have permission to go down like outside the normal boundary? Can I have yeah. permission to go down there to find Chutney? Because I think, you know. Yeah. She might have fallen down there. Oh, God. Chutney has she, her pronouns, in case you're sure. wondering. So she went to check on Chutney and was actually really surprised and disturbed to find that she could not find Chutney. Right. And there were actually a lot of pine cones <laughs> down the mountain. Yeah. She could not find Chutney. And she was really distressed about this. And I was like, all right, I'll come find Chutney. And I'm using air quotes because yeah. I was yes. like, well, worst that can happen, I can like they're pretty much all the same. Like I can kind of find one. There's only one chutney, This is what I'm thinking to myself. (laughs) This is what I'm thinking to myself. And so I'm like, I'm going to figure out a way to like find chutney, you know? Mm -hmm. But as I'm scaling the mountain, truly scaling the mountain, and she's saying, thank you, mommy, for helping me. And she's so worried. And then she says, "Um, just remember, chutney has that um, little pink hairband on her, but it's, it kind of went inside of her. So you can't really see, cause I wrapped it around her, but it, it's tight. So it kind of went inside her. So you can't really see, but she has that pink hairband. So that's, so that's how you'll oh, know. Wow. And I, I kind of stood there and I was already like down the mountain, like partway down the mountain <laughs> with like my boots and my jacket yeah. and everything. And I was thinking to myself, Oh, Oh, I see. I'm not going to be able to just find a chutney. I'm going to have to really find chutney. I am crossing my fingers. Guess what, guys? Please say it. I fucking found chutney. Yes! Yes! I fucking found her. (laughs) I don't even, there's no rhyme or reason to it. There was no strategy. You just no strategy. Just picking up podcasts. I had felt like I had no choice at that point. Yeah. So I've looked for that wow. fucking pine cone wow. until I found it. And now I'm a hero, like really a hero. Yeah. Like I've been thanked so many times for yeah. this, even since coming home. So anyways. Wow. Yeah. Teresa, mm-hmm. that is amazing. That is Thank amazing. Thank you. Thanks. I thought you were going to say you have. I was like, please tell me you have a pink rubber, like a pink pony oh. <laughs> to hold her in your bag, like in your pocket. Like, cause that's what I would have done. I would have been like, I'm going to take Chutney. I need to clean Chutney off first. Right? Like, <laughs> it's Chutney the bathroom. Anyway, very good job. Okay. Before spring break, we knew that they would be, the kids would be returning to some sort of in-person learning when spring break was over. So I, we've been like operating with like a handful of masks 
since the pandemic started. Not a lot. Where are we going? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go and get a ton of masks. I'm going to go and order. Both kids yeah. have to pick out which masks they like yep. the most. Great. Right? And then there's no like, I've got to go wash masks or we only have the what, right? Because yuck, I don't yeah. want to do a mask no. load, yeah. right? Like every other day. And I did it. Everybody, so including good. myself, including myself, because yeah. I was going to be going in and out. You're going in and out. Yep. Taking so people good. places. Yeah. I We have an ample supply of masks. That is such a good feeling. It was. Good job. Thank you. I mean, it's no chutney. <laughs> Hi, one bad mother. I am calling with a genius moment. My almost four-year-old son is perfectly capable of putting his shoes on, but he won't do it because it's too hard. And he recently decided that he wanted to find out what our squirrel likes. There's a squirrel in our backyard. So what I did was convinced him that if every day he put his own shoes on to um, go outside, he could try bringing a different vegetable or fruit food for this squirrel and put it in our garden. That is a genius. It's so good. I love these incentives that yeah. are like actually learning experiences. <laughs> it's amazing. It's but so good. It's a really, it's a level of genius that I know you're not doing at me. Here's yeah. a quarter put on your shoes, kid. Yeah. <laughs> it's your job. Like, I love this. I love this. You're yeah. doing a good job. Good job. Failures. Fail, fail, fail. You suck. Fail me, Teresa. Okay. I have a failure from being up in the mountains. Mm. It is that I went to give my two younger kids a bath. Oh. And they were very excited about their bath. And as I was getting them ready for their bath, my husband, Jesse, said, you know that the bathtub's broken, right? And I said, oh, well, it's just one of the knobs to turn it on, right? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. But then I thought, well, couldn't I just fill it up with the shower? Because there's also yeah. like a there's like a separate bath filler upper and a separate yeah. shower head. I said, well, couldn't I fill it up with the shower? And he said, oh, yeah, I guess that could work. Just like use really hot water because by the time it like yeah. fills up in the bottom, you know, it'll cool off. And I was like, okay, that should be fine. So we're filling it up. It's taking forever to fill up and I can't figure it out. And I'm turning it on full blast and it's hot water and it just takes forever, forever, forever until the point that there's no more hot water. We've used all the hot water. So now it's cold water coming out and there's still only like an inch or two of water in the bathtub. Oh and I've God. already got the kids getting in because we've yeah. been waiting for so long. Yeah. And, but they're not even like their leg, like they're not even their bottom parts of their bodies are covered. No. And I turn off the water because it's cold. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, you guys. And I listen and I can hear it draining. Like the drain is also broken. The drain is broken. That's more important. So the drain is broken and the faucet is broken. Yeah. So yeah. all that hot water, we just used a full tank <gasps> of hot water wow. just down the drain 
and they're freezing cold because we're in the yeah. mountains and I'm just trying, just trying to like really quick clean them and they're yeah. so pissed. Oh yeah. They're livid because they're, they're, they're having to quickly get clean in and, and cold. They're, not, they're cold yeah. rather than what they thought they were going to do, which was play yeah. in a nice a warm bath. So there was a lot of screaming, a lot of yeah. misery. I felt terrible about using up all that water and just really stupid. And now that whatever needs to get fixed. Yeah. So. That. Yeah. Pretty sucks. epic. Yeah, yeah. It sucked. I'm really sorry. I would like to blame everyone other than you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, You're yeah. welcome. But you're still doing a horrible job. Thank you. So again, as I mentioned last week. At the end of spring break this week, my children were going back to school in some shape or form. And I believe much earlier in the season, I predicted that that would, in fact, be a fail. I would fuck that up somehow because it was such a complicated schedule. Well, I did not fuck up getting the kids to where they needed to be when they needed to be. What I fucked up was all scheduled like appointments that were unrelated to school that needed to take place ugh, outside ugh. of the school. Right. Like, t- right? Right. Like, like, There's that You too. know, like Cat yeah. still has this like standing weekly appointment at 3.30 mm-hmm. on a Tuesday. Yeah. For, for months, for a year, for a year. Mm-hmm. And did we do that? No, we didn't do that. As well as multiple other things like that. It's like, you can't, like do one thing well without it stripping you from success in other areas of your life. It is so true. That's true. Yes. Thank you. I'm very sorry. Prophecy. Hi, this is a fail. I called a few days ago with a genius that was celebrating the plans I had made for Valentine's Day, which included an overnight sitter and a hotel room. So we could go look at four different walls without our children. Well, fast forward to today, two days before Valentine's Day, and our daughter has a fever of 102. (laughs) She's fine. I'm sure she's fine. But all our plans are canceled. So that is a fail that... I celebrated prematurely. Mm. Uh, Maybe next year. (laughs) Thanks. Bye. Ooh, that's rough. It is rough. rough. It's rough. You know, look, we all know that kids get sick at the most inopportune times. I, I think if you have anything planned, be it a doctor's appointment, something like you have to do, or like a very important work moment, or uh, something personal, like a hair appointment, or a night out with your partner, right? Somebody's getting sick, inevitably. And then you're torn between feeling like that sucks because it's not your kid's fault they got sick, right? That's not anybody's fault. That's just how bodies work, but it sucks. Because you thought you were going to get to do something nice. It really sucks. Don't, you don't. Yeah. You yeah. don't get to do anything nice. No. Well, you are doing a horrible job, you know, planning. 
God, stop Counting planning. your chickens. Counting those damn chickens. Those chickens are the worst. They're everywhere. You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you. I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. One Bad Mother is supported in part by HelloFresh. <laughs> HelloFresh delivers high-quality, pre-portioned ingredients sourced directly from growers and delivered from the farm to your front door in under a week. Contact-free, of course. And as a parent, sometimes I am just tired of making dinner. I'm tired of thinking what everybody might want to eat. I'm tired of trying to assemble it. I'm tired of trying to make sure I have all the right ingredients. I have used HelloFresh, and I love it. The recipes that HelloFresh offers features a range of flavors, cuisines, and ingredients so that you'll never get bored, and you can try something new every week. Go to HelloFresh.com BADMOTHER12 and use the code BADMOTHER12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com BADMOTHER12 and code BADMOTHER12 for 12 free meals. We are the host of My Brother, My Brother, and Me, and now, nearly 10 years into our podcast, the secret can be revealed. All the clues are in place, and the world's greatest treasure hunt can now begin. Embedded in each episode of My Brother, My Brother, and Me is a micro-clue that will lead you to 14 precious gemstones all around this big, beautiful blue world of ours. So start coming through the episodes. Uh, let's say starting at episode 101 on. Yeah, the early episodes are pretty problematic, so there's no clues in those episodes no no not at all the better ones the good ones clues ahoy listen to every episode repeatedly in sequence laugh if you must but mainly get all the great clues my brother my brother me it's an advice show kind of but a treasure hunt mainly anywhere you find podcasts or treasure maps my brother my brother me the hunt is on max fun drive 2021 is coming it'll be may 3rd to may 14th to get in the spirit, we asked folks like you to let us know what Maximum Fun and our shows mean to them. You know, the, the Maximum Fun Network is really important to me because it is not just a collection of podcasts, but it is a lifestyle and a value system. The podcasts frequently and deftly float between meaningful and irreverent, in one moment drawing attention to social issues, and in another making dick jokes about Klingons. It shouldn't work, but it does. And I have to believe it's because Max Fun's podcasts are, at their core, thoughtful and kind and human during a time that has often felt cold and isolated. So keep being great and doing what you do. Max Fun Drive will be May 3rd to May 14th, 2021, and you won't want to miss it. Brilliant apps, drive exclusive gifts, and maybe some surprises. Want to directly support the hosts of the show we just jumped into? Come back May 3rd for Max Fun Drive. Well, it's time to do our last thing with the lovely Teresa. Uh, and I'm so glad that Teresa is here to do it with us. And that is, listen to a mom have a breakdown. 
great job walking away yeah. and you are doing a great job getting through it because you got to walk back you know <laughs> morning still has to complete itself yeah. and I know you went back in and you got it done and the thing is is you are doing it every day every day that's the that's the thing yep. that is that's so, the kicker it's the kicker isn't it yep. you're doing it every day there's no break from yeah. mornings Mornings yeah. are going to happen with all, and you're right. Like I, one of my favorite things that you said was saying things. I'm tired of saying yes. things. Saying like, things. <laughs> it is so. We all know what you mean. Yeah. We all know oh, what yeah. that means. You gotta say so many things. Yeah. All day, and yeah. I, <laughs> I am sure that your partner steps in. In other ways. But this also reminded me of that toothbrushing, like our, yeah. our caller or yeah. guest, Martha, yeah. uh, from the very beginning of the yeah. show, talking about being like so tired and just watching her husband brush his teeth and yeah. her thinking, how nice for you yeah. that you've got time to brush your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good it's so good because it's so hard right it's yeah. just it's it's so hard and everything yeah. looks like so out of whack and out of yeah. proportion and i you're you're here's the thing we're here to validate you yes yeah. saying things it's hard yes mornings are in fact impossible Mm-hmm. And what you didn't mention, but we all know is true, is that you've done it a million times and it's not going to end. And that mm-hmm. also is not good news. <laughs> that doesn't help. That doesn't help. But here's the thing. You're doing an amazing job. Mm-hmm. And we see you. We really do. I mean, eyeballs all over you. Yeah. You are- and every the fact that any mornings are going great yeah. is amazing. And all of those can be celebrated. Yeah, I agree. Like I agree. you really did something. Yeah. If you I- did a morning. Yeah. It's like it's like finding a chutney. It's That's what I'm gonna call it now. Yeah. Finding a chutney. Yeah. You found a chutney. <laughs> Teresa? Yeah. I as always. And so glad to see you and so in awe of the wonderful job you do as a parent 
And I am going to cling to that chutney story forever because that was some truly amazing parenting. Thank you. Good. Sometimes it goes well. Yeah, sometimes it goes well. Sometimes you pull a chutney. (laughs) This is maybe that should be. The year next year will be the year of pulling chutneys. Yeah? (laughs) Is that a thing? That'll that'll make for a weird a weird People one bed mother pin. We not know what that means, but I think if we can <laughs> just say it over and say over. it a lot, or oh, maybe yeah. we'll just think it over. Yeah, sure, more. whatever yeah. doesn't matter. It's no pulling a chutney. Teresa, thank you as always. You're doing thank a great you. job. Thank you. So are you, Biz? Thank you, and I will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. What did we learn today, guys? I'll tell you what we learned. We have learned the classic lesson. Talking about stuff is good, okay? Whether that be mental health, whether that be, you know, things that we struggle with as parents, as women, at work, whatever it is, it's not actually your fault. Most of those things aren't like something you did or you have control over, but what we do have control over is talking more about it. And if there's one thing I've learned during this show is that we are not even remotely alone. I, there has yet to be an experience somebody has shared that I haven't already heard or hear down the road because we're not alone. We're not the only ones. Talking about mental health with the people in your life is incredibly important. Seeking treatment and support if, if you are struggling is incredibly important and it's incredibly freeing and it's a good job and it's self-care and you deserve it. You deserve it. I think there's this myth of, well, today was a good day, so all done. <laughs> All better. <laughs> like, and then it just, we just prolong it. We prolong it. And it's like a week of, uh, and then all better. It's fine. I think that's a, that's a, a myth. That's a lie we're telling ourselves. It's, we're not weak. We're not failures. We're not doing a bad job. We're not bad parents. We're not bad siblings. We're not bad children. We're not bad friends. Just because we suffer from depression or anxiety or any of the other mental illnesses that many of us walk around with daily. So go get yourself some help. You deserve it. We will make sure that we link you to resources as well as uh, one of our favorite places in the world, the Suicide Hotline. They are so amazing and so ready to help. Everybody, you're doing a really great job. This is not easy. Pandemic, not over. Pandemic, long-lasting effects. (laughs) If things are starting to reopen in your community, including schools, it's okay if it's super fucking overwhelming. This week, for me, was super emotionally exhausting, even though all I was doing was like leaving the house and taking my kids to school and picking them up. It it just, because it was once normal and now it feels very foreign, but it's supposed to feel normal and that creates a really weird emotional 
soup. So, you know, I, I just want you to know that all those feelings are valid. It's still not an easy time to make choices. And you are doing a remarkable, remarkable job. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Gabe Mara, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, Daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blues. Oh, said Daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blues. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.